Da 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 da! You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Welcome in, Man Fam, to another episode of Mad About Movies. I am your host, Brian Gill. Uh, and usually, when I am the first voice you hear on an episode, you know that something has gone horribly wrong. And that, I think, is, is quite true given the movie that we are discussing this week. Uh, Kit and Richard aren't here. It's just me uh, from the regular Mad About Movies side of things. But I am joined by a co host that I'll intro here in just a second. Uh, we are going to be talking about a little movie called Artemis Fowl that dropped on Disney Plus a couple of weeks ago um, to about mm, virtually no acclaim whatsoever. So I'm excited to do this, um, but we have a great guest. We have a VIP who's joining me for the first time on a main feed episode. So please let me welcome Quinn. How's it going, Quinn? Yeah, it's going great. I'm glad to be here. Good man, good. Thanks, thanks for being here. Number one, um, number two. Thanks so much for for your support. If you don't know what a, who a, who VIPs are or what the VIP club is, uh, go to madaboutmoviespodcast.com/vip. You can sign up to to join our our Patreon club, uh, provide some support for us, and in return for that, we offer uh, we offer at least one episode a week, a throwback episode usually that is exclusive to the VIP. Um, we offer all kinds of perks and stuff, including a, a Discord server that is exclusive to our VIPs. And Quinn, you're a big player on on our Discord over there. It's great, you know, talking to all the people, and it's one of my favorite things. And a lot of great movie recommendations that I want to watch, and highly recommend. It's it's great. Yeah. So that's another. Uh, that's the last thing I'll say about the VIP, and then we'll move on. We'll 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 talk about you, Quinn. We'll talk about uh, this movie here in just a bit. Um, but the. Uh, the thing with the VIP is that that we have found over the years maybe the biggest thing. It's not even so much about our episodes and and the T-shirts and the handwritten thank you notes and things like that. Um, that we've heard from so many people over the years who say something similar to, um, "I love movies. I love talking about movies um, and, and and seeing movies, obviously. And I just don't have a whole lot of people in my life who want to talk about movies at the same uh, depth and at the same uh, frequency." That I want to, and so um, when we started that Discord at the end of last year, I admit I was a little skeptical about it, but it's actually turned out to be a really great thing, and it's cool to see. Um, there's plenty of days now where it's like I can't hardly even check in because of work or or whatever else is going on, and then I you know I, I head over there and I see that there are hundreds of conversations taking place across all those channels and stuff, and so it's really cool. So uh, Quinn, again, thanks for being a VIP. We really appreciate it. Um, and thanks for, uh, for, for joining me here today. So we can, we can talk about this one. Kent and Richard refused to see it. So it's just you and me, man. And, uh, and that's, maybe that's for the best, uh, in this case. Um, but let's talk about you just a tiny bit. You're the first time guest, like I mentioned, never been on the show before. So I always like to ask, ask our, our first time guests a few questions. I'm sure you, you probably know what to expect here, but very quickly, uh, first things first, what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie of all time has got to be Goodfellas. I love a good gangster oh, nice. film, and the acting is great. So, Goodfellas is my number one easy all time. Nice. Okay, that's a good one. Do you? What else falls into that category? Just real fast. You you said you like the gangster films. Is that? Is there other one that you love beyond Goodfellas or something? Some people, I think, Goodfellas is a bit of an outlier for them, as far as like the other films that they really love. Because Goodfellas is almost almost universally loved, and and some other gangster films maybe aren't quite as much but is there another one that, that you that you really dig or another couple so another couple i really love you know godfather one mm-hmm. and two we don't talk about three <laughs> ever 
And I gotta say, Gangs of New York is this a great film? Nice, nice. Yeah, so that'd be my my good. choices. Good call, good call. Uh, what's your what's your least favorite or most hated movie of all time? Oh my god, that is a lot to pick in. My my least favorite movie of all time has probably got to be Joe Dirt, just because I remember <laughs> seeing that as a teenager back in the day, and I walked out. <laughs> So Joe Dirt is my pick. Nice. I went to see Joe Dirt uh, in the theaters at the Dollar Movie that used to be around the house, but it was on Tuesday night, so it was half price night at the Dollar at the Dollar Night Movies. Um, and one of our it was in the summer, and one of our youth interns from from my youth group that year took a bunch of us to see it, and he just he just sat in his seat. I'll never forget. He just sat in his seat with his hands covering his eyes going, no, oh no, oh no, oh no, the whole time. Like he could see his whole career flashing before his eyes uh, because of this movie. But uh, classic. All right, man. Um, real fast. What have you seen? Now you see me. And if so, what are your what are your thoughts? Now you see me is the pinnacle of cinema. I don't know how you can top it. <laughs> Citizen Kane has nothing on it. The acting is top notch. The story is top-notch, and I, I can't believe they made a sequel to it. I was just shocked how you can <laughs> do better than perfection. All right. Good deal. Uh, third one's coming next year or the year after, maybe, so this that'll that'll keep this uh, podcast going. So that's, you know, we appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate that, that uh, the I and company are, are so committed to keeping this show going uh, for so long. Um, all right, man. Let's talk about this movie. So uh, I, maybe we could put it off for another 30 or 45 minutes, but I, I guess we should go ahead and just and just get into it. Uh, Artemis Fowl was supposed to come out last year, correct? I think last, yeah, I think last July, Okay, I think. They put that trailer out. I don't think it got particularly good buzz. Um, I, I, I'll tell you this. I saw the trailer, and I was like, that doesn't look good, but it doesn't look quite as bad as everyone's making it out to be and then they pushed it and i thought that's actually probably a good idea uh you know try to get it fixed figured out um second trailer also did not instill me with a great deal of confidence i gotta be honest and then uh and then you know in in corona times and such this was a real easy one to move to disney plus i think i think disney probably knew this one was was a bit of a sinking ship at least financially if not creatively um, so this was a really easy one to say, hey, we're just going to drop this one on Disney Plus and clear out the release date so we're not trying to figure out a slot to put it somewhere else. Um, before we get full on into the movie, now you requested to be on this episode months ago. We talked and, and you wanted to be on this one. Um, I think I emailed you like a week or two ago and just said, hey, you know, if you want to do something else, that's fine. I totally get it because it looks like this is not particularly great, but you're... You're a loyal man, and so you're sticking it out. Um, what's the? Give me your background on Artemis Fowl, the property, and the books, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, sure. So, as a kid growing up, you know, the book came out in 2000. I was a fifth grader, and I read it in one of my English classes. I loved the book, mm-hmm. and all my friends at the time, because Harry Potter was just coming out the first movie later next year, yeah. and I tried to defend Artemis Fowl, like, no, it's a great story, it's this Irish kid who's a, a genius, and he's like a millionaire, and it's really cool, and the world is great, you have to <laughs> you have to read it, and when I saw the first trailer, I'm like, that doesn't really look that great, but you know what, I'm finally getting the movie, you know, the, the kid version of me would always want to see it, and then I saw the movie, and I have second thoughts. Maybe I should have just stuck with Harry Potter. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, dude. So this is you. You said you're in fifth grade. I think I was a uh, senior in high school um, when that first book came out. So I'm, I'm agent. But my brother was into this. My brother's four or five years younger than me, um, and he. I remember him coming home with these books uh, to at least some extent. I don't know that he was obsessed with them, but but I remember them being in the house and stuff. Um, and he dug them, and it just never was something that that caught on with me. As I've said before, I didn't even read Harry Potter until I think after the fourth movie came out um it was just a, a period i was too old for the for the books in my mind at least and and this kind of you know kind of qualifies so i have almost no background on this whatsoever other than the, the the couple of trailers and stuff that we saw um i guess once more before we fully get into and then and then let's get your general thoughts on the movie and stuff but like just it from a from a very basic level how many i don't even know how many books there are i guess i should have looked that up before do you know off the top of your head how many of these how many books are in this series? I can't. I only read the first three growing up. Okay. I, there's so many now. It's like a comic series, graphic novels. I think there's eight. Okay. Yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing eight here on the on the page. Okay. Just from a a real broad stroke standpoint, um, does this movie encapsulate the first book exclusively, or is it trying to 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 blend a couple of books together? I guess is my first question. Is it is this just is this pretty spot on with the the first book at least as far as as far as the story and the timeline goes or or is this a blend of multiple books it is not at all like the first book (laughs) okay okay it it, it is a blend of uh book number one and uh, book number two okay all right that was i'll be honest i that was something that i thought was probably pretty likely again having not read these books just just watching this movie and the way it didn't <laughs> mix together very well whatsoever and uh and and the it's very poorly paced and they're trying to cram a lot into into a 90 minute movie um it's i've pretty quickly i started to think i i kind of bet i bet there's there's more than one books uh that are that are at work here so i guess i'm, I'm glad i'm vindicated on that standpoint um, let's, let's get into the movie and then I do want to talk about the, the books and, and how they relate to this movie or, or perhaps don't relate to it. Cause that's always a point of, of emphasis whenever we do, we talk about a, a book adaptation. So give me your general thoughts on Artemis Fowl and then we'll just, we'll, we're going to get into spoilers real fast here. Cause I don't, I don't think it matters. So we'll, it uh, it we'll go in on, on that, but, but let's start at least with general thoughts and, and then we'll get going here. Uh, sure. Uh, it might be the worst young adult adaptation I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I thought Wrinkle in Time, you know, another Disney yeah. movie that was awful. But this might, you know, surpass it just because it makes no sense. I don't know how it cost one hundred twenty-five million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, and I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, it's it, even as a Disney Plus movie. I don't know how this thing came into existence. I can't believe they're going to release this in an actual theater. So <laughs> those, those are my general thoughts. The story sure. is ridiculous. The characters don't really do anything or really make much sense, even mm-hmm. if you don't know the books. Yeah. And I don't know what the director was thinking. It's it's like he just read the Wikipedia page and saw, didn't realize he was reading more than one summary. That's That's a... You're making me almost wish I had read the first book just to have a, a greater grasp of how poorly this is. That was one of the first things that stuck out to me was it's very clear, you know, they're, they're trying to tap into whatever the, the book had. 
um, or, or the strengths of, of the book and the book series and stuff. But you really look at the history of of YA adaptations and it's it's a really poor list of films. Like there are very few that are actually fantasy related, whether it's whether it's Harry Potter type fantasy or or this you know, I'm talking fairies and dragons and that kind of stuff, magic, etc. Or if you're talking the sort of sci-fi type fantasy, there are very few that have actually um, worked out well on screen. You've got the Harry Potter movies, and obviously those are the the real banners of success. And and what every studio seems to have been chasing for the last twenty plus years is trying to recreate. Uh, sorry, the magic. Uh, my bad. Of of that, uh, no pun intended. Um, and then you have like the Hunger Games were very successful, but even those those were that that last movie really petered out, and it's it's theatrical run. And there are a few others, but there just aren't a lot that are both critically uh, acclaimed and uh, and financially successful. You know, the Twilight movies made a lot of money, but they're pretty universally panned. I know we've got a subset of of, uh, of VIPs in the Discord that that will uh, go to bat for for the Twilight movies all day, and and I do not belong to that subset. I think they're pretty terrible, and the books were. I read about 20 pages of one book and I was like, I think that's probably enough for me. It just wasn't going to, wasn't going to go. Um, and there's a, but like, you know, the maze runner and you mentioned, uh, uh, wrinkle in time and, um, and then you just like go down the list and you're just like, Oh, that didn't work. Uh, this divergent didn't work. The host didn't work. Um, I don't know. Like, Inkheart didn't Aragon. Gosh, Aragon. Oh, I love um, that book. I love the book Aragon as a kid. That, see, I read Aragon and I probably was a little too old for it, but I remember I at least had some fondness for the material. I'd never read the third book. I think I, by the time I got to the end of the second book, I was like, that's probably enough. But I really did dig the idea at least of the first one. And then you see that movie. I'm, have that's, you seen that movie? That's, oof, that's it's, pretty tough. it's, it's terrible. It's awful. <laughs> So watching this, watching Artemis Fowl, those were the two movies that jumped out to my to me as far as like what this falls in line with. It's it was The Wrinkle in Time, which is a book that I love and loved as a kid and and read right before that movie came out last year or the year before, and uh, and was very disappointed by the adaptation, and then uh, and Aragon, which. At least with that one, I think that was a tougher adaptation because I don't think the source material was was that strong. Um, and so you can see how it could easily become something that's not particularly great. But I guess my point is if you're if you're watching a YA movie and the first two movies that jump to mind as comparisons are A Wrinkle in Time and Aragon, something has gone horribly wrong. That's true. It's very true. <laughs> So I'm glad this was Disney Plus uh, and that we got to watch it at home. The other positive I'll say is that it was 90 minutes long. I love that. That was very helpful. Um, if this had been... I started this last night at about midnight or, or 1230 maybe, and I, I thought if this ends up being... If I click over here and it's two hours long, I'm, I may just have to fudge this. I don't know if I can I can sit through a two-hour or longer movie at this point um, knowing that it's not going to be great. What do you think? Are there any pros that come to mind before? Because this is, I, I've, I think it's fair to say this is going to end up being, we're gonna, we're gonna kind of pan this movie. So, is there any, yeah. any pros that come to mind uh, for you? You took the one pro. It's short. <laughs> <laughs> it's short. It's not over two hours. So that's that's the only pro I've got. At least he had that. 
Um, I thought some of the visuals were okay. It wasn't. That's not. It's not certainly not enough for for a movie to. Uh, they weren't good enough for a movie to hang to hang its hat on, so to speak. Um, but if the if the story was better, if the acting was better, if there were other things in this movie that were that were of quality, then I don't. I think that the the effects and the visuals would maybe add a little bit to that at least. It was. I still don't understand how this cost 110 or 120 million dollars, but you can see how it could have been, you know, 80 or something from from the visual effects. Is that is that fair? Does that jive with you, or did it look horrific to you? I I don't know. Maybe I'm watching with a great with a uh, a positive eye. On this, I, I didn't. Have- I think the Haven City, you know, when you go underground, you see the fairy world. Like that was pretty good effects for what it was. You know, sure. not the not the best, but then you also had the scene with Josh Gad. Uh, opening his mouth, mm-hmm. yeah. which is terrifying, but the most accurate depiction from the first book. Okay, okay. <laughs> so that did happen. That's what the character did. <laughs> um. Okay, boy. Well, I'm about out of positives, so let's start there because you mentioned Josh Gad. Um, I don't hate Josh Gad. I, I I feel like he's a bit divisive. Some people really, really dislike him. I don't. I just think he's somebody who's not capable of of raising material so if you were if he's in a bad movie or a mediocre movie you're you're gonna typically get it's not like he's gonna take a mediocre movie and make it good let alone take a bad movie and make it you know mediocre he's just he's kind of cheesy and ridiculous and in the right settings he can do that quite well i think he's you know he's good good voice work in frozen and there's other stuff where he pops up where i think i i enjoyed that but there's also a lot of places where if the movie's not going well and then Josh Gad is getting a lot of screen time, I'm I'm more likely to check out. Uh, I don't know. Where do you fall on, on Josh Gad as a person or as an actor, I should say? We don't know him personally. That's um, I, 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 <laughs> that I know of. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe you have some breaking news. But um, but as an actor, where do you fall on him? And, and then about, let's, let's talk about his performance here. I think when he's just fits a role, I think he's better. He should not be leading any type of movie sure. at all. And he said his voice work frozen, you know, as good as Olaf. And I do like him on the uh, new Apple plus show central park, mm-hmm. you know, in minor roles, the narrator there, but he shouldn't be carrying a movie. Agree. Ever. ever. Agree. So this character that he plays seemed like a, uh, seemed like he would have been a, bu- a big deal in the book. Is this a, is this a favorite character of yours or is this a favorite character within uh foul nation or, or foul heads or whatever? I don't know what you guys call yourselves. Uh, okay. I know. I, I did think I've aged out of that a long time ago, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he is definitely one of the main characters okay. and for what he was, you know, the funny of him being a giant dwarf, but the things he wasn't a narrator in the story. Mm, okay. like it makes no sense the first book it's you find out it's a case file at the end oh okay so it's like the whole book you find out at the end it's going over a case file because it was happening and for his character instead of being in the middle of the ocean in a weird prison mm-hmm. uh, Josh Gad's character he actually fakes his own death okay so okay. he can escape so he's technically a bad guy because he fakes having a heart attack he, uh-huh. and he runs away that's what happens at the end of the first book he doesn't narrate and Arvis Fowl is the smartest kid you know he hasn't shown it at all in this movie but yes that was gonna be my next point um 
we we get this big monologue about how 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 brilliant Artemis Fowl is, and and really the only example of that we get is that he's he's kind of a snotty brat about his professor's or his there whatever the chair that this dude is sitting in, and I, and that, that's like the example of like oh he knows he knows all about uh, you know <laughs> he knows all about upholstery and uh, and antiques and stuff, and that's kind of it because then for the rest of the movie. There's like one or two scenes where he seems to outsmart somebody who he shouldn't outsmart, but for the most part, he comes across as kind of, kind of uh, not particularly smart, or at least not very clever. There's not a lot of, of cleverness to to the actions that this kid takes through the course of the movie. Yeah, his character, like most of the main cast, is just a different version. In, in the first trailer, they show like this weird fairy creature like flying in the air. Mm-hmm. That's how the book is introduced. It's Artemis and Butler. They go to find this fairy because they need the book so he can learn the fairy language because he's a villain. That's the mm. whole thing. He's a villain in the book. Right. He wants, to, he wants to steal gold from the fairies. He learns that they're real not because of his father. He learns mm-hmm. through talking to people online. And he gives this fairy tainted magic, which makes <laughs> her go through a withdrawal okay. in this children's book. So. He shows like he's able to outsmart because the whole goal of the book was in the first one he didn't want the gold from the fairies. Okay, he didn't want whatever that machine was in the first book. And the father never shows up. He's not in the book. <laughs> it makes no sense. And the mother's alive. Okay, I'm seeing I'm seeing the problems um, with with the translation on this for sure. And shocking to me too is that like. Look, Kenneth Branagh is not somebody who I would necessarily... It's not like he's on the list of directors for whom I say, well, if he's doing it, then I'm in. Like, I just trust that this guy's going to get it right. But I think his his track record is is more positive than than not. Um, you know, he did the, the, he did the Cinderella uh, live-action remake a few years ago, and that's, in hindsight, is one of the better, the more successful films that have come out of that that whole series. And I thought he did very well with that. He's, you know, he directed the first Thor. He's done some other stuff that is, if not great, then at least, you know, solid, passable, that kind of thing. Um, this just, this will, I hope is just going to end up being an outlier on his filmography because it just, I want to know why, why Kenneth Branagh takes this movie. And once he's taken that movie, then why are we doing it the way that we did it? Because it's very clear Again, having having almost no background on this whatsoever, there's just a lot of lazy choices made directorially that that lead you to believe. Like as I'm watching it again with no background, I'm just like, well, that's that can't be right. That can't be how it was done. It sounds like the book was pretty, has some some darker depths to it, and and maybe some interest. And it's just odd when you make a, when you take a movie like the, or excuse me, when you take a book that's like that has a kid who is the villain. That's interesting. I mean, you can do something with that. And then they flip it immediately. And it's just, it's, it's one of those, like, why did you, why even bother then? If we're going to completely change the entire narrative of the entire book and the entire book series, then, then why are we, you know, what's the point? Does that make sense? Uh, I totally agree. Cause I feel like his other work isn't that bad. The Cinderella, I, I agree yeah. with you, is one of the, yeah. the better ones. And it's not like he has these awful movies, you know, in his portfolio. So that's why I wasn't the first trial. Like, all right, well, he's not as bad. Mm-hmm. So other directors, I'd be on the fence, but I, it seems to me things were cut out because that first trailer, that thing with the fairy like jumping up, that it seems like scenes were just taken out. Sure. And the studio was like, "This is what we want." Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it definitely could end up being being what it is. Um, Disney certainly uh, enjoys <laughs> enjoys tampering when they have the opportunity, but I also think there's got to be something to. I can't imagine they're buying a book about a a kid who's a villain and this you know mysterious mysterious fantasy world and whatnot, and going in with the intention to do it like that and then changing it at the last minute. Like there had to have been a plan along the way to hey we're gonna we're gonna take this we're gonna soften it a little bit we're gonna we're gonna take him away from being a you know a quote unquote villain, um, and that just seems like a really poor idea. And that that's when you that's how you get a nine percent rotten movie you know on on ransom i mean it's 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 these are bad choices <laughs> that we make along the way the other thing i want to hit on real fast before we get out of here the acting's terrible i mean this is just it's so hard to do it look it, we i talked a little bit at the outset about ya movies part of the problem with a ya movie is uh, with teenagers and stuff, it's really hard to find teenagers who, a lot of teenagers especially, who are who are good actors and who can portray effectively the characters that are on the paper. Even if the even if the the script is good, even if the source material is good, it's really hard to find enough teen teenagers that can do that stuff effectively. And then the difficulty level goes up exponentially when you take it away from teenagers, like real teenagers, and then you go to kids i mean i don't know how old this kid is um who who plays artemis but god bless him i mean he's just he's awful he's awful on the screen and i he has no credits to his name so i it's not like i can go back and find something else and look at and see like well he's actually pretty good in this just had poor direction or something he's bad and then when you surround him with a few other very young actors it's just it's almost impossible for young actors like that to elevate material and so when you combine, you know, these kids that are they're really unseasoned and probably don't really know what they're doing, and then you give them a bad script and and just probably what seems like pretty bad direction, I just, I mean, you're doomed from the outset. There's no way of saving that. Yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing is, like, some of the characters didn't even have to be teenagers. The butler sister, it's actually his sister, not his niece. She's older. She's like a teenager, 16, 17. And mm. that kid, Arvis Fowl, maybe just because he's Irish, Actually, I don't even know if he is Irish. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That's why he was picked. But bad acting with awful, you know, direction and, and a script is just a, it's doomed from the start. Mm-hmm. And yeah, of course, absolutely. Judy Dench had a <sighs> great movies. You know, she, it doesn't. Her character is supposed to be an old school New York City kind of cop, yeah. a guy with like a big cigar in his mouth, always angry. <laughs> See, Colin Farrell would have been good at that, I would think. But, not not necessarily yeah. Dame Judy Dench. Um, well, well he, they got him for the, you know, we can say he's in the movie, even though he shouldn't be. And he's in the movie for, what, six minutes? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, I love Colin Farrell. He's one of my favorite actors. Uh, and I know Richard can't agree. Uh, but he's he's certainly not above making a terrible movie and taking a movie that uh, that pays a bill or buys a new house or, or something. Um and uh, you know the same could be said for 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 Judy Dench. Uh, you know, dames need to buy flats too. You know, so it's I get it. Like, get paid. But um, it's, it's true. Total man. Recall. It's a great movie. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. 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 But when you combine like that with Cats and some of the other stuff she's done recently, you're just like, oh, Judy, yeah. You're better. You're so much better than this. Um, yeah. That was. Uh, it was. It was very off-putting seeing her in that kind of role. I. I I'm all for. Uh, casting against type but but maybe not 
<laughs> maybe not to that maybe not to that extreme because it was it was pretty uh it was pretty rough but it, it it really honestly i'm not sure it would matter because this i mean he, this this poor kid he just he just he's not good and and he's got to carry the movie because the whole movie he's he's the titular character this whole movie is about him and he's just he's pretty rough um so I don't know how much it, it maybe would have helped to have. It certainly would have helped to have a script that was good and, and dialogue that was strong and and weren't kind of constantly making little callbacks or or, or semi winky jokes. And it just really, really fell flat um, on those fronts. And then and then you got a kid trying to deliver them. It doesn't it just doesn't work. Yeah, it's, um, it's not we didn't like the David Bowie joke that they yes, uh, threw oh in there. Gosh. I'm like, oh, my God, why is this in this movie? It makes no sense. Rough rough you know what it reminded me of was the santa claus but the like oh. the worst version of the santa claus and i know it's like elves or fairies and all that sort of stuff it's it's not that's not like a some unique but but i mean those scenes with with the elves at the north pole and stuff in the santa claus um if those were dumbed down by 30 percent, and then the entire movie was like that that's what you're that's what you're getting with with this movie i think it was it was pretty it was pretty daggum painful um I don't know, man. I'm about out of content on this one. This was a this was a tough one to to talk. It's certainly a tough one to find any positives, but even the negatives is just like why. It's just a lot of whys. <laughs> so clearly, they thought this was going to be a franchise. I do not see it that way. I I don't know. Where do you stand on this? It should never be a franchise. <laughs> you know, what, one movie is enough. Uh, and I'm just not going to say I ever liked this film or this, the books. I'm just sure. going to. I'm going to redact my previous statement from the beginning that I like these books as a child. That's fine. No one will call you on it. Just just pretend like you always were a Potter fan and, and you know, it's fine. Everybody will. I don't like Potter, though, either. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is tough. I imagine this is real tough for, for those of you that were big into the books because this is, this is just a really poor... I, it, has to, it has to feel like a real... Kind of a slap in the face. When you, when you poorly adapt something that is beloved, especially something you loved as a child, it's, it really... It really sucks. It really feels like uh, a betrayal of sorts. Uh, this is this was rough. This was real rough around. Um, do you think it's nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes? Rough. Well, that's my last question. Then I want to get grades. You you feel like this is this is worth worthy of that sub ten percent rating that it has right now? I think it deserves at least a twenty or less. I think nine. You're, you're getting to you know single digits. It's uh-huh. some of the worst. Like it's just a, such a boring. Yeah awfully acted film but, but there's there's nothing even really good funny except for that scene with josh gad the dirt but there are way there are worse films like i think a wrinkle of time is worse than this film okay it's it's more boring and somehow doesn't stick to the source material as well <laughs> i would say a wrinkle in time for me at least a wrinkle in time feel is more uh frustrating or angers me more because that was a book that i really dug maybe i would feel that way if i if i had read these books uh but it's very it see i think but i'm kind of with you i think it's on that that path i think i gave a wrinkle in time like a low d i'm pretty sure it was in my bottom 10 of the year or very or very close to it but like i've seen worse movies this year and i'm kind of in the of the mindset of i totally understand why it is I, you know, I understand how Rotten Tomatoes works. It's an aggregate and all that, blah, 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 blah. But uh, 9% puts you in a territory of, like, the epically bad, all-time terrible movies. And I'm not totally sure that it's quite that bad, despite the fact that we've just spent the last 30 minutes saying that it's, you know, it's awful. It's just, 
I I mean that. I mean that it's quite bad. That rating makes it makes you put you in the kind of territory where you're talking about like the worst one of the worst movies of of the decade. And I'm not sure that it qualifies for that. Personally. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. It's a terrible film, but is it an all-time terrible <laughs> film? Right. Right. No, and if Capone has a way higher rating somehow than this, yeah, yeah, it's a forty-two, I, I think. Totally. I was looking at my letterbox just now because this year's usually I kind of have a feel. In a normal year, I kind of have a feel for what's at the top, what's at the bottom. What am I comparing this to as far as as far as the grades for the year go? Uh, but this year is so ridiculous and wheels off; it's, it's impossible. But yeah, I was looking at my letterbox and I thought this is better than Bloodshot and it's better than Capone. So. Um, that, you know, even if it's the third worst movie I've seen this year, it's, there's a, it's a smaller sample size because of how, you know, awful and weird everything has been. But yeah, I, I, again, I understand how it works. I get why it is where it is, but it's, it is a little bit surprising that there weren't more, more, uh, more critics who at least were like, eh, it's a kid's movie. It's not good, but it's fine. And gave it like the kind of partial fresh rating or something like that that would keep that number up a little bit but but no that's not the way it turned out so in keeping with that let's give our grades quinn uh, start us off there what's uh what's your grade for artemis foul i'm gonna give it overall a d like i said i love the books and from a fan of the books it's terrible but what we just <laughs> said it's not one of the worst films i've ever seen like i can't give it an f because like i said bloodshot gets an f you know, yeah. Capone gets an F, but this one, it's harmless. It's a bad, you know, YA mm-hmm. you know, adaptation, and it's short. Yes. I think it was two hours, I'd give this an F right away. Yeah. No, I, I think you're spot on. If, if this if this dove in more, I, I would have a real hard time uh, coming out, giving it higher than what I'm going to give, which is a D. Um, a low D. <laughs> it's not good, but, uh, but I... I there's a world in which uh, we return to theaters in July or August and we start getting movies every week. And this is not one of the 10 worst movies I saw this year. Whereas for Capone and for Bloodshot, and I don't know, there might be another movie in there somewhere. When I watched, as I was watching it, I was thinking, this is one of the 10 worst movies I'm going to see this year. This is so bad. Um, this is, it's a little bit, you, you said harmless. I think that's a great word for it. It's, it's really not good at all. It's aggressively not good, but it's also a bit harmless. And so maybe that's just me giving something a pass for in some some way for for being a kid's movie. Uh, but by the way, my kid wouldn't watch this. I tried. I tried to get him to get in. And he was just like, no, thanks. I'm out. He was not interested in in Artemis Fowl at all. So I, I think it has to be it has to be considered a failure just on that matter. I don't know a single kid um, or I haven't seen, you know, family on Facebook or anything that's like. Hey, we watched Artemis Fowl with the kids and they really dug it. No, but I, I don't think anybody is having that experience. So you've got to say that's a failure. And and also, you know, maybe maybe stop doing this. Stop doing the the YA adaption thing. It really doesn't work. And and their Disney has tried over and over again to create this kind of a franchise in this sort of series, and it just doesn't work. It's really it's impossible to to create at this point, I feel like it's impossible to create an, another Harry Potter and even if you're looking to make like another Hunger Games or something, I, I don't know. It's it's really, really difficult. And it's probably not worth the effort once you actually get there. So anyway, that's yeah, where I stand. Yeah. So we we give it uh we're both giving it D's. Um Quinn, thanks so much for being here, man. I uh, really appreciate you talking this one out for me and subbing in for, for Kent and Richard. You you pinch hit for, for two guys and you did quite well, so I appreciate you being here. 
Well, glad to be here, and thank you very kindly. Yeah, man. Look, you have a podcast that just recently launched. Why don't you pitch that real fast and let the uh, let the listeners know where they can find it and where they can find you? Uh, sure. So the podcast that I started a few weeks ago, it's called The Dive-In. It's with myself and uh, my friend Noah Levine. Uh, it's all people on the podcast each week. We have a guest. Uh, I work at a summer camp usually mm-hmm. called Camp Scatico, but that's not happening anymore. Right. So we're having guests from the camp come on each week, and we just review a movie of their choice. And we just talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, nice. one of my favorite films of last year. And upcoming next week, we're talking about Parasite, which I love that film. Incredible and looking forward to it. So you can find The Dive-In. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Awesome. Check that out. Quinn, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, listeners, for uh, for listening to us this week. We'll be back next week with a normally a regularly scheduled episode. I assume Kent and Richard will be back with me. I have no idea what we're talking about. We are all kind of waiting on pins and needles to see if we will be able to get to uh, the the Mulans and the Tenets and the et cetera, et cetera, that, that is still sort of hanging in the balance that potentially could be released in July and August. We're hoping that we're going to get to those, um, but our schedule's kind of up in the air until we see how those things work out, which drives me insane because you know how much I love a schedule. Um, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for listening. Come back next week, and until then, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs>